0: You're listening to a podcast on Accelerate, brought to you by University of Utah
1: Health. We are here today to talk with Dr. Bridget Smith about what it is to be a leader in the space of value. Um, So Bridget, it is so fantastic to have you here today. And first, I wanted to just have you talk a little bit about why you went into medicine.
0: Why medicine? That's a good starting point. I didn't think I was going to be thinking back that far to college once upon a time. Um, I, you know, in, in college, I actually was thinking about going into pharmacy. I thought I'd be, um, actually, I thought I'd be grossed out by blood, which is really funny now that I'm a vascular surgeon. Um, but I hadn't even considered medicine in my undergrad for that reason. And then I took a course where there were physicians from the community presenting the material, and they really integrated it with the science and the clinical side. And it was an elective I had just taken for fun, and it really inspired me. So all of a sudden, I just dove into the MCAT and went to medical school.
1: And and here you are now, a... Certified vascular surgeon. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you today is, um, you know, I in my job I get this great opportunity to interact with so many of our faculty members, and I was so captivated by your sort of decided career path and you know you are this vascular surgeon so technical expertise and you know a really great place to practice medicine but then you decided to complement that with sort of a career path in the education space and the value mm-hmm. education space what tell us a little bit about how that unfolded
0: so Education became my academic career focus. While I was a resident, I started in general surgery. And I was open to all different types of surgery, not really sure what I wanted to specialize in. And as I was mentored and had more exposure to vascular surgery, I decided on that as a career path. And shortly after I really made up my mind about being a vascular surgeon, the University of Wisconsin was approved for a brand new type of training program, the Integrated Vascular Surgery Residency. And that's been around since about 2006. And in 2010 in Wisconsin, that was the first year that they started that program. And I thought it sounded like a fascinating way to train. Like it was removing a lot of the fluff of different types of general surgery that I wouldn't need to be a practicing vascular surgeon. So I actually switched into this brand new program, kind of the guinea pig, new trainee and something new. And that got me very interested in graduate education, how paradigms change, how they're approved and assessed and evaluated. Um, So getting involved in a brand new training model is where my education interest started. Um, The value-related education interest was an accident. Um, I'm a product of the same type of residency training where um, quality improvement work and value isn't really taught very well. It's an ACGME core competency, and so people tell you you need to do these IHI modules and do a project, but no one gives you any curricula to explain what that is or why it matters. So I came through and, and just kind of did the things I was told I had to do and had the same attitude that a lot of residents have now. Then when I got here, value is just all over the place. I mean, it was clearly important institutionally and on the clinical operation side. And it turned out that the general surgery residency program needed to beef up and, and work on really having a good curriculum to teach this stuff to their residents. So I needed a role in education, and they needed someone to teach value, and so Fake it till you make it. And I said, great, I'm going to figure this value stuff out. And I'm not a content expert. I can find a content expert. You know, I can develop a curricula and I'll just steer the ship. I'll just captain this thing. And I don't really, you know, need to to be an expert in the the content. But as I got more and more involved, I got really excited about the content too. And now I'm trying to become, you know, that expert for what I'm trying to teach.
1: I think that's just, I absolutely love, um, sort of your story and experience, because um, like you articulated, value is really new to all of us. None of us were trained in any of this. Um, yeah, I look at my own role as our chief quality officer, really stemmed from me complaining about needing more physician leadership in this space, not by, because I was a subject matter expert. So we're all trying to sort of learn on the fly as we go. And I think that's what makes a work both exhilarating and also kind of frustrating. So tell me a little bit about you are, so you decide you're going to um, launch into this value education space, and I want to talk in a few minutes about some of the specifics around kind of how you're leading a working group to, to redefine the School of Medicine curriculum. But before that, um, I'm curious about your perspective. So you jump into something that's brand new. It's a space where there, you are the trailblazer, and that is always both... Um, exhilarating and frightening. And, and I'm curious about the frightening part a little bit. Sort of what are some of the things that you found particularly daunting and challenging in these last six months or so as you really kind of embarked on this journey?
0: I guess one of the first things getting started was figuring out who and what my resources were and not feeling like a content expert trying to figure out who those people were. And you know what resources were available to help me, so I started kind of on just this massive tour of like meet and greet everybody I could identify that had a value role. I just started cold emailing whoever I could come up with, the chief value officer for our department, Rob Glasgow, um, Sandy Gulbranson, Pam Proctor, you. You know, I just started searching for people who were involved in value to just meet with them and figure out what this was, what it was about, why it mattered at this institution. And who might be able to help me. And that was enlightening, but also frustrating because I realized how little crosstalk and connection there was between the clinical operations and graduate medical education, you know, the, the need for education about this. Um, so that, that was frustrating. It was, it was exciting, it was fun to meet everybody and to learn about this, but it was also frustrating to not be able to connect all those dots. Um, and then as I've been diving into it and starting to teach the general surgery residents, getting them to understand why it matters um, has been challenging. And I really appreciate that because I am only a year and a half out from my training, so I remember being that person not very long ago, and it obviously didn't take me long in my career to realize that it mattered, you know, to get out in the clinical world and see why it was so important. But imparting that wisdom onto these general surgery residents who are really focused on clinical patient care and just getting their patients taken care of, that's hard. Um, so I'm trying to be an inspiration and lead them, you know, not with carrot or stick, but actually from like teaching some sort of intrinsic reason why, why they should care.
1: What, tell me about why you, so I think that's, that's, um, fascinating. And, um, what are the barriers? So, you know, we, we still have, your you know trying to retool the bicycle while you're riding it right trying to change curriculum in the middle of people who are busy what do you think is going to require to sort of create this generational change where the trainees kind of get it where it's not this having to inspire them but it becomes what it means to part of what it means to be a, a doctor how do you see that playing out
0: Over and over in my mind, I come back to that it really needs to be a genuine core culture shift that, you know, all the leaders in the institution that these residents interact with day to day in the true clinical setting, those are the people that are going to show them that it matters. When you're in the operating room and you ask for an instrument and they don't have it open on the field yet and you say, pause, don't open that. What do I have I could use instead? Because that's an added expense. That's modeling that behavior for the trainee to see and say, you know, wh- you know, the cost matters. I should think about that when I make these choices. Or in the clinic, whether or not you order an MRI versus a CAT scan. All of those moment-to-moment choices, you know, if the general surgeons in the whole department aren't modeling that behavior for them within each of those day-to-day moments, they're not going to realize its value just because I say it matters. So it really has to be a broad-sweeping culture change in the whole... You know, group
1: so that so this naive guy who five years ago said all right we're going to transform healthcare, and in our timelines five to ten years what you're telling me is it's a generation away
0: that may be I guess I don't know um yeah
1: yeah I, I think I think you're right as I've sort of seen this play out um you know I think I think that um it is going to be a generation away um
0: Identifying those mentors within the Department of Surgery has been hard because I'm, I'm having the residents do quality improvement projects and kind of work through the PDSA cycle and learn the steps to do a project appropriately. So part of what I imagined is that each group would have a faculty mentor, someone who is interested in quality work that could help lead them. And what I've discovered is that even those six volunteers, bless their hearts, in the Department of Surgery that are leading these groups, They're interested and excited about quality, but they don't necessarily have the core foundational knowledge either. And teaching the steps in the process and lean principles is not what they're imparting right now. They're trying to impart the importance and that culture and mindset. But as far as having good coaches to teach rubric we still don't have all those those content experts yet it's a generation away like you said
1: yeah which is why um when i think about some of the work going on in the organization that excites me the most um your work really fits that bill because as as we've made strides here i'm still seeing the same things that that you are closer to the front lines and and one of the solutions to that is um, starting from the beginning right so rather than waiting to take a faculty member who's well into their career and retool them to be a a quality or value improvement coach Mm -hmm. it's going to be much easier if you impart that knowledge training and skills from the very beginning from medical school to you know um, residency training to then when they're early faculty members, it sort of becomes they already have that base foundation. Yeah. So the work that you're leading, and and I know that you're um, you're taking on broad tasks in the education space, but I want to talk for a minute about um, the group that you're leading with medical student education reform mm-hmm. and. Um, I've been fortunate to be part of that group and see you lead that group. And I can tell you it's been one of the most masterful (laughs) sort of getting consensus and getting a group to share a vision and and then to sort of work together. Tell us a little bit about what um, kind of that what you're trying to accomplish with that group.
0: Um, first of all, that was another happy accident getting involved in value is because I'd already volunteered to work on this for the department of surgery, um, for the residents. Then I was on the school of medicine curriculum committee and all these different working groups came up for their education transformation. And when value driven healthcare was one of them was like, well, that sounds like it matches what I'm already doing. Sure. You know, I would love to be involved in that. And lo and behold, they needed a leader. So here I am. Um, but that's very flattering. I'm glad that you feel like we've been able to, you know, get some good buy-in and support from everybody that's involved. I'm trying to learn how this fits into a broader, complete overhaul of the school medicine curriculum, but I think that the value-driven healthcare component is clearly valued by the institution and is something that's you know, primed to be implemented, I think that what we're hoping for the 2017-18 academic year is to implement some elective courses for the first-year medical students. So a course on value, quality, service, cost, safety, the five main domains, and to get them into some electives so that we get some students to start to dabble in this and we can pilot our curricula um, through the first year. And then hopefully that rolls out over the next four years, um, ideally into a certificate program, um, which takes some time and effort to really get that formally approved, but to make it a 15 to 16 credit curricula with experiential learning and capstone projects and things like that um, to bring a cohort of medical students through that. And I think it starts out as an elective so that we can pilot things and phase it in. And hopefully it's seen as important and valuable enough that it becomes part of the core curriculum over time. Yeah.
1: I think one of the things that I've liked the most is, you know, we talk about lean principles and quality improvement. And, and especially those of us who you know are clinical care providers, we equate that to always being applying those principles to patient care. But you, you've taken a lot of those principles with how you've gone about this working group um, from getting the right team mm-hmm. um, to scope, scope, scope. You yeah. know, sort of rather than boiling the ocean, trying to distill it down to um, sort of these bite-sized pieces um, and, then, and then sort of uh, – Implementing things where the long-term view is going to be a series of PDSA cycles, right? Mm-hmm. So rather yeah. than having a perfect out of the gates, you know, putting a start that can be refined over time, and, and I think that's really going to be be transformative. So with with when you work with um, your your fellow value <laughs> sort of colleagues, either in surgery or in the education space. You know, you talked a little bit about some of the, the challenges and the barriers when you get thrown into this big organization and trying to find your way. What are some of the things that have inspired you the most, though, that have kind of given you um, confidence and excitement that that the path that you're on is the right path?
0: I think one of the first things that comes to mind is um, the School Medicine working group that you referred to a moment ago. Um The individuals that come to those meetings and contribute to that effort, I'm humbled to be in in the room with with you and, and Rob Glasgow, the chief value officer for the, uh, the Department of Surgery, Diane Liu, Susan Pohl, Ryan Murphy, all these people, um, Brad Post, who have so many commitments. They're stretched so thin and they're so busy and they are so committed to this group. They show up time and again doing hard work and you know bringing a lot to the table to advance the conversation. Um, I'm just Repeatedly after every meeting, impressed and and humbled to be able to lead such a a really amazing group of people. Um, So that's inspiring. There's a core group of faculty that are very committed to this and doing an amazing job with it. Um, And the other thing has been Luca Boy, one of the senior value engineers that's been helping me with the Department of Surgery curriculum. I honestly don't know the scope of his job or what he should or shouldn't be committing his time to, but he spends a ton of time with me coaching me through the content, helping me understand you know the next step of what to teach the residents. The resident groups have value summaries started for their projects. And Luca will email them periodically and say, hey, I just noticed this update on your value summary and I want to you know, give you this feedback. And he'll CC me on these emails. And that kind of commitment and continuous involvement to keep things moving and, and hold the residents credible and affirm the importance of this that's been exciting to see that there are those human factors at this institution that are really engaged.
1: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I'm curious. So um, you talked about Luca, um, you know, and sort of this coaching, which is part of the thing. I think we're all saying that you know that success is going to be building coaches, right? Every nook and cranny of the organization, so that we're actually creating a community where we're coaching and helping each other. You also talked about sort of this this culture change, it's new for the residents. What's the, when those residents get the email, those coaching emails, what's the receptivity? Uh, Do you have any sense on that?
0: I don't know yet. I mean, after this year's, um, again, there's a pilot program. I keep using that word with the School Medicine. That's what's going on with the surgery residents. That's what's going on. We're piloting things. I'm going to have to spend some time with a focus group or two at the end of the year and get some good solid feedback, some honest feedback from them about what worked, what didn't, and what they saw as value added and what they saw as just extra stuff they had to do. I don't know how receptive they are. I'm I'm hope I feel like they're getting more and more interested as the process matures. When they were first told like come up with a problem to start to address, I think it was hard for them to scope it and to understand why it would matter. And as they're getting deeper and deeper into their projects, I'm seeing them get more and more engaged and interested. So part of that lesson has been to, you know, stick with it for these first six months, let it be slow going, let it evolve and let them start to see why it matters as they experience it. Um, so the receptivity, you know, we'll see. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a, a group within the residency that's excited. There's a group that's sort of ambivalent and there's the group that's resistant and feels like it's extra work. So there's a range, but yeah.
1: Capitalizing on those bright spots and learning yeah. from from the others, I think, will be valuable to all of us. So, one of the last questions I had is, um, what advice would you give? So, you, you're, you have, you. I- I'm going to introduce you to a brand new faculty member to the institution, and they're going to start off in this leadership space and value, much like you have. And there's a, you know, a, a path that's, you know, that they're going to a trail that they're going to blaze on their own just like you have what advice would you give them to consider in their first 90 days
0: i think my tour of meet and greet was one of the best things i did just knowing who my allies were who was excited about it, and why. Just taking the time to go around and meet people was really valuable for me. And not every one of them has been able to contribute directly to what I'm doing in the, in the end. But it helps to know the organization and you know who your stakeholders are and who your resources are. Um, so that was really worthwhile, to just take that time up front to do that. Um, and aside from that, probably patience and perseverance.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> uh, patience and perseverance is definitely uh, a success factor for all of us. Um, well, I, I just want to thank you for spending some time with us today. And thank you for your work. I Like I mentioned, I'm so excited about the efforts that you're leading, and really it's faculty members like you that are truly going to transform healthcare delivery. And so I'm super excited to see and continue to watch your career unfold. Thanks.
0: I'm putting my money where my mouth is too and doing the Value Improvement Leaders course in January. So I'm going to try to get better as being a content expert too.
1: All right. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thanks.
0: If you like this, we have more. Visit AccelerateUtah.com. Accelerate is Chrissy Daniels, Kim Mahoney,
1: Mari Ransko, Steve Johnson, Marcy Hopkins, Bob Pendleton, and our community of contributors.